Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to hour number two of today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you, and whether you are tuning in on the AM side at 1490, on the FM side at 104.9, or if you're choosing to listen via the live stream at ESPNTucson.com, we do appreciate you and your uh, listenership. I don't even know if that's a word, but we, it's a word we've used in radio for a long time, and your listenership, and we figure if TV watchers can have viewership, then radio listeners can have listenership. Uh, but we do appreciate you uh, lending your ears here as long as, <laughs> as long as we can stay on the air long as the electronics don't fail us, uh, we appreciate you tuning in here to Tucson's only local morning sports talk show, trying to bring you all the best in uh, news and information, sports uh, information and entertainment as we possibly can. Tyler Drake joined us in hour number one. We have Monster Jam tickets come up sometime within this hour. Be listening for your cue to call there. Now, Mary sent me this uh, this email here. I sent me a little link here um, about a story from our friends over at CNN. And because I was asking, I was like, what is retrograde? What is Mercury retrograde? It turns out that on September 27th, which was two days ago, right? Monday, Mercury went into retrograde for the third and final time of 2021. So I continued to read on about this. We had just a quick little two-minute break there, but I was able to read enough to glean the information that is necessary. According to Jaya Sixena, who's the author of Crystal Clear, Reflections on Extraordinary Talismans for Everyday Life. She says, When it comes to the astrological significance of Mercury retrograde, it's a different story. According to modern Western astrological traditions, Mercury is the planet that represents communication of all, of all kinds. And when it goes retrograde, the theory is that our communications get thrown out of whack. Folks, it's not just an illusion. Because that's what retrograde is. It's an optical illusion. However, apparently this is real stuff. You've probably heard warnings about not buying a new computer during Mercury retrograde or uh, stories about dropping a phone in the toilet or electronics gone haywire are associated with Mercury retrograde, which is happening right now apparently. And I should have known this before uh, before we went on the air and tried to hitch our wagon to a bunch of electronics, specifically communication electronics, that were just going to fail us thanks to this astrological phenomenon known as Mercury retrograde. Damn you, Mercury. <laughs> I, I had all kinds of problems with my computer last night. I was experiencing some problems I had never, ever seen before. I'm not one of those people that believes in that kind of stuff. I, I'm one of those people, I'll be honest with you. Like, if I meet somebody new and they're like, they're like, oh, you know, uh, uh, what's your sign? And I'm like, uh, well, I was born here. I was born this day, so I guess I'm a cancer. And they're like, oh, you must be this, and you must be this, and I must be this. And I'm like, you must be crazy. <laughs> because to believe in that stuff is silly. Like, I just, I've never, I've never grasped the concept of people having personalities and tendencies based on the part of the year that they were born and under the star and moon alignment that they were born under and all this other stuff. And I, I just, I've never bought into that kind of stuff, but good Lord, we're having all kinds of problems. We, we had, we had a problem yesterday, apparently that I wasn't even made aware of until after the show that we were off the air for like a full minute, having all kinds of problems. Stinking mercury. That tiny little, 
hot ball of gas floating around, causing all kinds of problems here on Earth. What can we do about Mercury? Can can something be done about Mercury? Can we do something about Mercury? Blow it out of the sky or something. I don't know. Is that going to affect us? Will that hurt us? If we don't have, I know if we don't have a moon, things get really, really bad for us. Uh, but uh, no Mercury. I don't know. I think my, things might be okay. So when talking about players and their homecomings, Tom Brady about to have his big homecoming, of course. Grob Gronkowski, too. No, we don't leave Gronk out of this. Okay, Gronk is also extremely important and a catalyst for many of those Patriots championships. But Tom is the focus here. He and Bill, uh, or Bill Belichick were together for 20 years together in Foxborough, and they've had some differences over the years. And Tom Brady, you know, apparently was able to get Robert Kraft on his side, and Robert played his one-time ownership card over Bill Belichick and basically forced him to trade Jimmy Garoppolo. This is not a this is not a farce, folks. This is not a fairy tale. This is true. This is true life. Okay, as as strange as it as it may sound, sometimes the truth is more unbelievable than a lie. I get it. Um, but yeah, I mean, Robert Kraft went to Bill Belichick and says, "I'm playing my ownership card, my one-time get out of jail free ownership card, and I need you to trade Jimmy Garoppolo right now." We cannot have Tom looking over his shoulder. He's feeling very sensitive about it. And I don't want him looking over his shoulder at Jimmy Garoppolo. We need to get rid of we need to get rid of Jimmy G. So what does Bill Belichick do? Friends, of course, with Mike Shanahan for many, many years. They're very, very close. Okay? Uh, very, very close. Calls his son Kyle over in San Francisco and is like, uh, hey. Um, we're thinking about trading Jimmy Garoppolo. What can you give us for him? And Kyle's like, okay, well, let me let me talk with with John Lynch. Let me get John Lynch on the phone here. John, I got the I got uh, Belichick on the line here as a GM. Uh, John Lynch, what can we give for uh, Jimmy Garoppolo? And he's like, Jimmy Garoppolo, okay, um, we can give you a third round pick. Sold. <laughs> oh, you do you need anything else? Nope. I'll send you over the paperwork. Congratulations. You guys got yourself a new quarterback. Click. That's <laughs> basically how it went down. So Tom Brady has had his, you know, his little tete-a-tetes with Bill Belichick. He's a, he's a, he's a coach that tries to instill his uh, discipline and his program and all that kind of other stuff on the team, and everybody gets treated the same way, all 53 men. Nobody stands above another, yada, yada, yada. Teddy Bruschi's talked about it before. It's, it's a model that works for a lot of people, and it's worked for, for the New England Patriots for a long, long time. They won a ton of championships, won a million games. Um, but right now it's about Tom Brady coming back to play against the New England Patriots in Foxborough. You knew the NFL was going to do this as soon as Tom signed with the Buccaneers. Like, gee, how fast can we get them to play in Foxborough? Oh, we can do that next year. Perfect. Not surprised. So it got me thinking, like, what are some of the other – returns that athletes had in their like how did other athletes fare how did the fans treat other athletes during their their big homecomings i think probably the most the one that stands out the most because it was the ugliest one of the bunch that i can remember at least was lebron returning to cleveland because not only was it because of the way that he left and the lies that were spewed by owner Dan Gilbert at the time, and he took out the newspaper ad and all this other stuff. Like, it was a lot of petty stuff going on and just, 
you know, flinging, uh, you know, all kinds of slinging mud at uh, at LeBron and back and forth, and LeBron refuting those things on Twitter and all this. You know, he and, and the way LeBron went about his the, the decision, right? The, the thing that aired on on ESPN that atrocious uh, look at me, you know, very LeBron like situation with Jim Gray and and all that. He had the decision on that happened on July eighth, two thousand and ten. Okay, so the big decision. Uh, I'm gonna take my talents to Miami. Okay, great. Then the NBA says we're going to schedule. Miami to play Cleveland in Cleveland on December 2nd, 2010. So it's a pretty quick turnaround. The The wound was still fresh among Cavaliers fans. Now, for Cavs fans, there was like this, this perfect concoction of instability, jealousy, anger, and then taking the side of an owner who was lying to them, unbeknownst to them, lying to them about the entire situation. LeBron goes to Miami. They they tell you they put on TV the uh, the the pep rally that they have. He goes, "How many championships we're going to win? We're not going to win one, not two, not three, not four. And the fans are Wah! going crazy. Not five, not six, not seven. I mean, he's just going on and on and on, right? I mean, just just living it up. And fans in Cleveland are just stewing. They're brewing. They're steaming, waiting for their moment for LeBron to come into Cleveland and play that game as a member of the Miami Heat." And they had their batteries ready. They did. They were flinging batteries in that in, in that uh, in that arena that night. They were throwing stuff. It was an ugly scene. They booed him for half an hour. Fans lined up outside to get in, and as soon as the doors opened, they ran to their seats. Signs held high. A bunch, a bunch of the signs uh, signs had to be uh, confiscated because they were inappropriate. No surprise there. And. So LeBron gets just, I mean, raked over the coals. And they did this, like, they did a video. And I'm like, why why would you even consider doing a video? You, you need to know your market. You need to understand, like, like read the room, okay? If I were, if I were in, in game operations at that time, I would have been screaming at my boss, like, hey, let's not run this video and incite these fans even more because this is going to get ugly. Like, let's run the video next year, next time he returns after the fans have cooled down a little bit. It's still too fresh right now. But, nope, Cavaliers, game operations ran the video like, dun, 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 dun. you know, LeBron and Cleveland and going, to, oh, LeBron. Uh, it, there's all these highlight packages, and fans went berserk. They were incensed at what was happening. The boos were so freaking loud. I will never forget that. That was because I was laughing. I'm watching the game. I'm like, this is this is just what he deserved. He's getting what he's deserved. Because I believed the lies at the time, too, that Dan Gilbert was was uh, was filing out there in the newspaper articles and on social medias. I believed it. Fans were just letting him have it. The Cavaliers mascot, that whatever that is, Moondog or whatever his name is, he was wearing a bulletproof vest. Like, they showed him, like, wearing a bulletproof vest. Probably wouldn't go over too well today. But, yeah, it was it was crazy. Fans were chunking batteries. There were all kinds of just complete vitriol. <laughs> Mo Williams, former teammate of, uh, of, of LeBron, said, he goes, it was like bringing your ex-girlfriend to your, it was like your ex-girlfriend coming to your wedding, is what he said. 
I, I just it was it was a horrific scene. And look, he, he you know I think for the most part I think he earned a lot of it by the way he exited and how glorious he you know he took himself in uh, in accepting that free agency move to Miami. And then, of course, he goes into Cleveland that night and absolutely has just a monster game. I think he scored 24 points in the third quarter of that game. <laughs> just, I mean, just smash-caking the, the Cleveland fans. Uh, if you remember, Miami, like, they stumbled out the blocks. Like, they couldn't figure things out early. They were a 500 team when they rolled into Cleveland that night, and then they won, like, 20 of their next 21 games, and and it was off and running for uh, for the Miami Heat. So, Yeah. <laughs> the uh, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers did not treat LeBron well. Now, a lot of it depends on how the player leaves, right? Like what what happens, how the player leaves, what is how quick is the turnaround? Wayne Gretzky, okay, when you know, of course, winning championships. What was he a six time or seven time MVP in the time that he was with Edmonton? Uh, he might have even won eight. MVP awards when he was in Edmund, obviously best player the NHL has ever seen. Um, But the Oilers basically sold Wayne Gretzky to the LA Kings, right? It was, it was Gretzky, McSorley and uh, somebody else. I can't remember who it was traded air quotes to the LA Kings for a bunch of draft picks and like $15 million sold Wayne Gretzky to the LA Kings. Now, Immediately, the Oilers fans, the the Canadian fans, took to uh, the airwaves and such, blaming Gretzky's new wife Janet Jones for basically saying it's her fault. She's that she's that Hollywood harlot who stole our Wayne Gretzky and took him off to L.A. They were they were blaming his wife. Um, can't the Canadians like the like local politicians, like people in Edmonton and stuff? They petitioned the Canadian government to try and block the trade. Like, it was insane. <laughs> like, they were like, oh, we've got to get the government involved. We've got to block this. This is illegal. You can't, you can't sell a player. He's not a slave and all this other stuff. I mean, it, it got, like, really ugly because the fans were incensed at their own team for doing this. And then, of course, Wayne comes back. Now, the trade happened right before the season, like a month before the season. He got traded, like, at the end of summer. And... <laughs> He comes back um, October 9th uh, was the return, I think. October 19th. That was the return date. October 19th is when he returned. 1988. There it is. <laughs> now, this was a situation where um, he was basically given a standing ovation. They had to pause the game because the fans would not sit down. Like, they would not sit down. They wouldn't shut up. It was it, – they were just – going absolutely berserk for Wayne Gretzky. And then they were criticizing the owner so badly. And Edmonton, uh, the game operations crew for Edmonton probably all got fired after this game because they showed Gretzky in his Kings jersey kind of circling the uh, the ice in pregame, you know, just going through his, his uh, routines. And then they did a split screen where they showed the owner, um, uh, Pocklington, uh, uh, Peter Peter Pocklington, he was the owner at the time of the Edmonton Oilers. They showed him up in his up in his owner's suite, sitting there, you know, just kind of like looking over everything, and the fans lost it, like absolutely lost their minds. 
post-game operations like, hey, let's put Gretzky and the owner up there at the same time. Fans are just waiting to blow the top off this building, screaming at the uh, at the owner. And they chanted Gretzky for like five minutes straight. Like the entire building was just absolutely – they could not be consoled. Um, I think Edmonton actually went on to win that game like – 10 to 7 or something like that. Some weird back in the day, back in the 80s, uh, in the late 80s specifically, hockey was really exciting. There was like nine goals scored per game. Um, today, you know, I think it's a little bit better today because the goals mean more. There's a couple more homecomings I want to get into. One of them, oh, one of them was really rough for the, uh, for the returnee until he won the game. Then things changed uh, and he really didn't care. We'll talk about that coming up on the other side of the break. But right now is your chance to win a pair of tickets to go see the Monster Jam Nitro Tour. It's Monster Trucks coming to Tucson. The Monster Truck Nitro Tour coming to the Tucson Rodeo Grounds this weekend. There's two shows, one at 1.30, one at 7.30. We're going to give you a chance to win a pair of tickets and a pair of pit passes right now. Be caller number one. I don't want to do caller number two because retrograde and mercury might interfere with that. So call now, 520-719-1490. That's 719-1490. Caller number one, Escaping Mercury's uh, Vengeance. You can get in and get yourself a pair of these tickets to go see the Monster Truck Nitro Tour at the Tucson Rodeo Grounds. When we return, a a favorite uh, player of many and a Hall of Famer returns to his homecoming, and we'll talk about that. And another flips off his former team. That's next, right here on the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Congratulations to Gary Mendez. He was our winner of the Monster Truck Nitro Tour tickets. Congratulations, Gary. Enjoy the show, my friend. Check out the... uh, Go to the night show. Do the nighttime show. First of all, it's going to be cooler. But you can go to the red-blue game at 3 o'clock on Saturday. Okay? That'll be over about 4.30, 5 o'clock, somewhere around there. And then you can get your family, and you can go to the Monster Truck Nitro Tour at the Tucson Rodeo Grounds. See, it just works out. It's a great Saturday. It's a great Saturday because there's no Wildcat football because we're on a bye this week. It's the perfect time for the bye. If you missed all of that, you can uh, check that out on the podcast, of course. Download the podcast. I laid out all the reasons why. This was the perfect time for Arizona's bye week. Laid it all out yesterday. You can check it out on the uh, on the podcast from yesterday's show. So we're discussing right now former players' homecomings. And there's some interesting news um, from uh, uh, an article that was written and actually a, a book that's going to be coming out um, from, uh, from Seth Wickersham, who uh, wrote a book called It's Better to Be Feared, which reveals internal details about the Patriots organization and claims that Belichick told his quarterback, longtime quarterback Tom Brady, that he wasn't available to meet one-on-one and insisted on doing the goodbye over the phone. We'll talk about that in just a little bit here as well. Now, for this particular player, they're going to go back to football, and a, a quarterback who is a Hall of Fame quarterback returning to his homecoming. Now, it was on August seventh, two 2008, when the Green Bay Packers traded Brett Favre to the New York Jets for a third-round pick. Um, And then, of course, we all know what happened there. He went to the Jets, played the Jets for one season. He retired, okay, and then 
said, eh, maybe I'll make a comeback. And guess who called? Green Bay Packers rival Minnesota Vikings. And he was like, yep, that sounds good. I'm going to sign with the Vikings. Vikings are a really good football team at the time. And, uh, yeah, so he signed with them, decided it would be a good idea to go into Lambeau and make a return. This was not this was not received well by Packers fans. Packers fans did not like this. They did not like seeing Brett Favre in the the purple uniform when they had been accustomed to seeing him in their green and gold and he was uh he was booed summarily for quite some time. I mean there was an uh, I guess you could call it a cavalcade of boos, a, 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 a an avalanche of boos if you will from the entire crowd that happened to be there at Lambeau that night. Now, it wasn't the first time that they had played Favre because they played in Minnesota, I think, earlier in the season. Favre, he went 2-0 and against them that year. I know that. Um, they played in Minnesota er, like early in the year, like second or third game of the year they played in Minnesota. And then he made his return trip in November of that season. Now, Favre... Uh, won the game again. He threw four touchdown passes. Did not throw an interception, which incited the crowd even more. They were trying to goad him into throwing an interception. It was pretty funny. I remember it. Now, Favre after the game said, "A Packer fan cheers the Packers first. And I hope anyone who stayed until the end said, "I hate that that Joker plays for another team, but he can still play." <laughs> Such a Brett Favre comment. Now, of course. Many years later, he would be welcomed back into the Lambeau family uh, for his uh, induction into the team's Hall of Fame, got his number four jersey retired. And I remember during that, uh, you know, that uh, particular scene there, he was standing at, at midfield, and they were doing, like, the whole the whole ceremony with the – and he's got the jersey there, the number four, and Favre. And, and uh, he made a comment. He goes – he said something like, that – I, I, so many times I ran out of that, that tunnel over there, and he pointed to the Packers' home tunnel, and he goes, I've also run out of that tunnel, and fans were like, uh-oh, <laughs> what, what's about to happen here? And then he said, I'd much rather run out of that other tunnel. And fans went crazy and, and all that kind of stuff. But uh, Brett Favre, his return was a little bit icy as well because fans were not happy that he retired to get out of his contract, essentially with the Jets, and then purposely re-sign with the Vikings. He certainly earned those boos that he got that day in Lambeau. And then Packers fans got their last laugh, of course, in that season. If you remember very, very well, the famous radio call from the Minnesota Vikings that day in the playoffs where they're trying to beat the Saints in the game, and all they have to do is essentially kick a field goal for the win, and Brett Favre, he, he, you know, Brett going to Favre, all the time. He just, you know, Brett Favre is going to Favre regardless of what the Farvin score is. And he th- throws the ball deep down the middle, and he gets picked off. And they, uh, the Vikings lose the game. And I'll never forget the, the Vikings radio color analyst being like, you can you can take a knee, and you can kick a field goal. And he's screaming and stuff. Hey, no reason to throw that football. And then, like, there was the conspiracy that the, the, the return to Lambeau softened him because – he was like, oh, you know, they, 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 he, like, did he purposely sabotage the Vikings from winning a Super Bowl and all this other stuff? There was all kinds of things going on and being not far back in the day. But th- these are the things that happen when you have a, a team making, you know, a, a famous player, a popular player making a homecoming. Now, Joe Montana never, never had to play in San Francisco as a member of the Kansas City Chiefs. So that was 
you know, that was a good thing for Joe and for the 49ers fans. Didn't have to go through that because that would have been really rough too because, you know, as a 49er fan myself growing up, I remember the the back and forth between fans between Joe Montana and Steve Young. A lot of the fans wanted Steve Young to play because Joe looked old and frail and kept getting hurt and things like that, and Steve Young would come in the game and rescue the win. He was much more athletic, much more exciting, would throw the ball down the field. And the fans were like, oh, get rid of Joe Montana. And the other fans were like, are you crazy? So there was there was a lot of that back and forth as well. Thankfully, Joe never had to play in San Francisco. And then finally, Bryce Harper flipping off the Nationals, right? I mean, not 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 Eli Manning style flipping off the Nationals. If you, if you didn't see that, by the way, on the Manning cast, uh, Eli Manning with, went double middle finger on the uh, ESPN broadcast the other night on Monday Night Football, which was pretty funny. Um but Bryce Harper, who of course you know drafted by the by the Washington Nationals, was maybe the most hyped prospect in the history of Major League Baseball. I mean, it's just just it was all about Bryce Harper, Bryce Harper this, Bryce Harper that. Uh, he won the Rookie of the Year. He was unanimous MVP in the 2015 season, where he just had that ridiculous season at 3:30 and 42 dingers, and he was he was amazing. Um, he probably would have won. Another MVP with the Nationals, but he got hurt late in the season. Remember, he, he slid on, um, uh, slipped on, on, on first base and tweaked his knee and was out the rest of the season. He probably won the MVP that year. He was, his numbers that year were even better than his previous MVP season. Um, so then Harper comes back to Washington as a member of the Philadelphia Phillies. He signed with for like $600 zillion with the Philadelphia Phillies at the time. I think it was $300 million. Um, but it's a lot of money nonetheless. And when he returned, the uh, the fans in Washington were not happy to see Bryce Harper. There was a lot of booze going on. They felt like Harper had underperformed, even though he had two MVP seasons and went to the uh, went to, they went to the playoffs. But they never went beyond the first round of the playoffs. They would always get beat in the first round of the of the, the division series. They got beat like four years in a row in the NLDS. And Nationals fans were like, "Oh, you know, he's." He, you know, he was overrated and all this other stuff, and the, the overrated chants were coming out. They're like overrated and clapping and stuff. And Max Scherzer's on the mound for the Nationals, and they, they've got their new toy and Cy Young Award winner and all this other stuff. And Bryce Harper goes up there, and Max Scherzer blows one by him and strikes him out, and the fans went absolutely nuts. Like they were just, they were cheering for two innings about that one strikeout, and then <laughs> Bryce Harper got back at him. Because later in that game, it wasn't off Scherzer. Scherzer was out of the game at the time. Um, later in that game, uh, Bryce Harper comes up. I think it was like eighth inning of the game. And I'm pretty sure it was the first pitch, if I remember correctly. Because he comes walking up. Fans are booing him and stuff like that. He just digs in and swings at the first pitch as hard as he possibly can. Like he comes out of his shoes swinging at this, at this pitch and absolutely crushes it. I, the ball may not have landed yet. I mean, it went way, way up into the upper deck. It was a bomb. And then he looks at the Nationals dugout and flips the bat right at the dugout. And I thought there was going to be a fight. Like, it was not pretty. Flipped the bat right at him and did his really long, slow, arduous drog around the bases, celebrating the Phillies' win. Yeah. That was uh, that was a rough one for Nationals fans and and for Bryce Harper. Look, free agency is a part of a part of life. 
Uh, sometimes you just got to move on, and he decided that the Philadelphia Phillies was the best place he could be. Fans didn't like it. They booed him, and then he got him back with a home run. That was, like, that was a lot of fun drama. That was fun to watch. It was just a few years ago. That was fun to watch. So these are just some of the things that, that we've seen over the years as some of the more high-profile players as they made their, their homecomings with their previous teams. Pretty sure Tom Brady's not going to get booed, although you can't put anything past Boston fans. Pretty sure he's going to be very, very well-received, especially right now because the Patriots look very human over the last couple of years since Tommy left the team. So, right? So uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, as we get closer, we'll, we'll have our picks, of course, for that game. I want to make a pick specifically for that game, if I can spit out my own words here. And then this uh, this new story that's just come out about how Belichick refused to meet with Brady one-on-one when, when Tom was saying goodbye to the team and said, uh, no, nope, I'll, uh, I'll just give him a call instead. Oh, maybe things weren't so rosy in New England after all. With those two, you win enough games, you think everything's fine. But, uh, you know, they say winning cures everything. But apparently things weren't so good there. All right. We're going to take a timeout when we return. More on here, right here on the Jeff Dean Show, 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. So the Phoenix Suns opened up camp on Monday. Yeah, NBA season is already back. Just two months after the Suns lost in the NBA Finals to the Milwaukee Bucks, the Phoenix Suns are making their return to the hard court. Uh, as camp opened up on Monday, they've had the media over there talking to some of the, the players and the coaching staff, of course. the One of the focuses on right now in this preseason, one of the focuses is when is DeAndre Ayton going to get signed to that uh, contract extension that he has earned? Based on his playoff performance, his postseason performance was phenomenal. It could not be said any differently than that. Granted, things did not go well in the final four games of that series against Milwaukee. I don't know many players that are in the league right now that would have been able to stop Giannis Antetokounmpo and the the mission that he was on, the absolute mission that he was on in that series. He was I get asked all the time. Like, if I wear, like, Phoenix Suns gear around town here, they're like, oh, what happened to Phoenix Suns? What happened to that game? How about them Suns? They choked it away. And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Did you watch the Did you watch the games? Giannis Antetokounmpo could not be stopped. Guy who shoots 61% for his career at the free throw line all of a sudden is a 95% free throw shooter? 50 points a game? What? No. The Phoenix Suns did not choke. There were plenty of opportunities for the Phoenix Suns to win games, certainly. Giannis Antetokounmpo, this is a a Superstars League. NBA is a Superstars League. Giannis Antetokounmpo was the best superstar on the court in that series, and the Milwaukee Bucks won the championship, period, end of story. The Phoenix Suns have a lot that they can build off of. They need to get get some paperwork done on Cameron Payne and on DeAndre Ayton, or not Cameron Payne, uh, on um, on uh, uh, Mikel Bridges, sorry, Mikel Bridges and DeAndre Ayton. I think they both earned their their contract extensions from their rookie contracts. Certainly DeAndre did. And it's time to give them a little bit of a vote of confidence. I We wondered why, and I, I may get on somebody, you know, from the from inside the organization to uh, to discuss that with us here about maybe the, the organization is waiting to announce both 
players at the same time? I'm not exactly sure why, but they've done it before in that organization. They may be trying to do it again. So the Phoenix Suns looking ahead to this season. I thought it was interesting when the media was talking with Monty Williams, head coach, that he had an epiphany. He went back to his his uh, place in Texas and just kind of spent some time out in the out in the wilderness. He was working in his yard, fishing in the pond, um, just doing some things. You know, going out and and uh, going to his deer feeder and and uh, feeding the you know the, the the deer and such that and the wildlife that are on his property there in Texas. And as he was kind of reflecting, he you know he mentioned this to me. He says, "Man, I got to be in the finals. We didn't win, but I got to be in that position." I get to work with our players. It's a huge, huge blessing. And I kind of lost sight of that because we lost. One of the other things I really like about Monty Williams is when he talks about the Phoenix Suns, he says, our program. You know, usually program is a, is a term that is meant for collegiate sports, right? We talk about the program, the football program, the basketball program. It's something that is very it allows the players and the staff to kind of embrace the situation that they're in just by a mere semantics of words saying our program, I think gives these players a little bit more ownership over what they do day in and day out, how they represent the team, uh, you know, whether it's in the community or on the basketball court. I, I, you know, I like the approach. I really like Monty Williams. The fact that, that the Suns got there in, in it was, it, look, it was a weird year. And there are plenty of people out there who want to play the injury game, like, oh, if Anthony Davis hadn't been hurt, and we had all these players that were hurt, and Jamal Murray was hurt, and all this other stuff. Yeah, totally. You know what? The the, the Suns weren't without injury either. The Suns, remember, they started the postseason with, uh, you know, they had COVID problems with Chris Paul, and then Chris Paul had injuries, and there were other injuries with, with uh, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton looked really, really tired by the end of it all, rightfully so because he was coming off an injury-shortened season as well. So, you know, I don't want to sit there and say, well, this, it was the perfect storm for the Phoenix Suns, because outside of, like, the previous, you know, four years with the, with the, the Warriors and the, and, the, and the Cavaliers going, because you knew those were the two best teams in basketball and they were just going to be, at, you know, they were going to be in the finals at the end, outside of that, you can look at every single finals and say this team caught the perfect storm. Like this team just, you know, caught all the right breaks at the right time. A lot of times that's what it takes to win a championship, just catching the breaks at the right time. So I don't want to hear – I don't like to hear it when people are like, oh, the Phoenix Suns caught all the breaks. They, there, was, there was tons of injuries and stuff like that. Look, you, you, these are professionals. You have to go out there and win these games. And it wasn't like the Suns swept every team on their way to the NBA finals until they finally got to a team who was healthy, <laughs> okay, they struggled against you know against teams. Now they they swept the the Denver Nuggets, who were without Jamal Murray. But remember, they without without Jamal Murray for the final third of the season, they were still winning games. Nobody was stopping them from from winning games because they didn't have Jamal Murray. Now I think things would have been different if they have Jamal Murray. They certainly look a lot different. They've got that that shooters that 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 sniper out there that's waiting to just knock down a three at any moment from. 30 feet, 35 feet, whatever have you. He's a very dangerous shooter. I don't think it changes the outcome of that series whatsoever, though. The Phoenix Suns dominated that series inside the paint. You can dominate inside the paint the way the Suns did. Uh, you, you, you got things locked down. You're good to go. So Phoenix Suns looking ahead to this year. They have, uh, you know, Devin Booker is is a little bit a little bit banged up right now. I think he's just tired and sore, and he's played a lot of basketball over the last year and a half. So, 
um, we'll, you know, we'll keep an eye on that. They did bring in some guys uh, in the offseason. We'll have a full breakdown of the Phoenix Suns once we get closer to tip-off of the NBA regular season. We'll have a good NBA preview for you there. Uh, but just, you know, kind of, look, it, it's in the news because Phoenix Suns opened camp, and it seems like the offseason, you know, the, the finals just happened a couple weeks ago, it feels like. Uh, but the new season is here nonetheless. And personally, I think it's good that the Suns are going to get started so quickly. There's not a four-and-a-half-month hangover to deal with of losing the NBA Finals. They get to go right back to work and continue building on the foundation that was laid last season. And again, it's going to be very important for Phoenix Suns brass to re-sign and give DeAndre Ayton his new deal and Mikel Bridges his new deal um, to to you know show them that they have the confidence in them moving forward and they want to they need to pay them. You know, the Suns made a lot of money this offseason. The Suns are in a good position to pay these guys and uh, and they can get it done. They're still in the good graces of the NBA as far as the as far as the money goes, as far as like luxury tax and things like that. They're in the good graces of the NBA. They haven't abused the luxury tax like some of the other teams. So they're in a good position. And I when when that team rolls out, they're going to be one of the more I think you know, one of the one of the favorites to at least win the West. Um, there's some other teams out there that look really good. Obviously, Denver is going to be good. Utah is going to be very good. We don't know what Golden State is right now, but I'm sure they're going to be just fine. And then the Lakers, there are people that are saying that that's a 60-win team. There are team people that are saying that that's a 40-win team. I tend to think it's more of a 40-win team than a 60-win team. They're old. They're washed up. They've got injury concerns with their youngest superstar that's in his prime and Anthony Davis everybody else is in their mid to late 30s I just don't know how they're going to have enough basketballs to go around to appease Anthony Davis LeBron James Russell Westbrook Carmelo Anthony I don't I don't see it you know it's not like LeBron has been the best chemistry guy in the NBA in during his time he's been good but hasn't been great and we all know what Russell Westbrook brings to the brings to the court as far as chemistry wise goes. It's give me the ball, get out of the way, and if you don't, I'm going to let the entire world know about it. Like it's just not the kind of guy you want to have as a teammate, in my opinion. It'll be interesting to see. It'll be must watch TV though for the for the Lakers here in the West. The the the, the West is going to be <laughs> it's it's going to be interesting. There are there are some very very good teams. There are a lot of superstars. In this uh, in this uh, in this division in this conference, so it'll be it'll be fun to watch the West this year for sure. Especially if you're a Suns fan, because they're going to be good. They 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 will be very good again. I'm just hoping that they don't have what I call Dan Marino syndrome, where they just feel like they're young players who got to the pinnacle, they were right there, and just assume that they're going to be there year in and year out. Now is when the really hard work begins, because now you got a target on your back. You're the Western Conference champs. Every team in the West is going to be gunning for you. They want to take that title away from you. Now's when the hard work starts. So we'll see what kind of metal they're made of uh, coming up this season. Well, of course, we'll have a full breakdown of Suns, NBA, Western Conference, all that kind of stuff coming up in the few weeks leading up to the regular season. So uh, we've got uh, plenty of things going on here the next couple of days on the Jeff Dean Show. Stick around for that. We'll have plenty of college football, NFL. And uh, after 20 years on the same sideline, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick meet this weekend as opponents. It's the GOAT QB versus the GOAT head coach, and you can be a part of the epic showdown with unbelievable odds from FanDuel Sportsbook. 
Right now, new customers can win $125 on a $5 bet if either team scores a touchdown. You heard that correctly. $125. It's 25 to 1 odds on any touchdown during the Tampa New England game. Now, to me, this is a game that screams blowout, but we'll have a little bit more of a breakdown for you right there. This is going to be a return homecoming for Gronk as well, and I think he's looking to make a little stamp, a mark on this game uh, in addition to whatever Tom Brady's looking to do. Now, offers like this one, the 25 to 1 odds on any touchdown, are just one of the many reasons why I love betting the NFL on FanDuel. It's America's number one rated sports app for a reason. It's easy to use, it's safe and secure, they have fast payouts, and if you sign up for FanDuel Sportsbook today using my promo code, Dean, that's D-E-A-N, you can make your first bet one for the history books. Don't forget to use the promo code Dean so that they know that I sent you. Any touchdown gets you 25 to 1 odds in that Tampa New England game. That is unbelievable. And they, they, they have all these fun promos that they do. We did this spread the love promotion, where it's basically you can't lose with the Arizona Cardinals. The The line was, I think it, at kickoff, it was the Arizona Cardinals plus 114 and a half. So unless the Vikings won that game by 115 points, you were going to win money. Amazing stuff from FanDuel Sportsbook exclusively on FanDuel Sportsbook. 21 and over in present in Arizona, new users only. $10 first deposit is required. Must wager in designated offer market. Max bonus is $125. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342. When I return, we'll put a big, bright, red, shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. You're listening here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Join Spears and Ali tomorrow night for Thursday night football at the Native Grill and Wings in Marana on the southwest corner of Cortero and I-10. Over 40 television, 12 beers on tap. It's a great place to check out all of your uh, football action and uh, dinner needs. It's the Native Grill and Wings in Marana, home of the original Arizona Wing. Download the uh, Native Grill and Wings loyalty app for some special offers. And then meet Spears and Ali there tomorrow from 3 to 6 for some Thursday night football. Jags and Bengals. In that, uh, in that matchup tomorrow night. Maybe a little more exciting, I think, than the two team names would, uh, would imply. Real quick, before we get out of here, I want to give a shout-out to a guy who I had uh, the pleasure of, of meeting on several occasions, talking to many times, uh, and just really enjoying the way that he performed his particular sport. As Manny Pacquiao announced yesterday that he is going to be retiring from boxing, and this is not like your typical boxing retirement. I mean, I don't know, maybe I, there may be a situation where he comes out of retirement to do something, but he's 43 years old. He hasn't looked the same. I mean, really, that's you know not even an understatement there. Hasn't looked the same in the last three years. You know, he's the only he's the only eight division champion in the history of the sport of boxing, which is r- remarkable to say because. He was good at every weight division that he fought in, from 108 to 154. I mean, he was he was spectacular. Um, I covered a lot of Manny Pacquiao fights. When I was covering boxing with HBO, um, that was like the height of Manny Pacquiao. That's when he fought, uh, you know, he had those, those absolute wars with Juan Manuel Marquez. They fought four times, um, absolute, just ridiculous notable fights they were so so good um he had of course 
the big blockbuster against Floyd Mayweather in 2015 that shattered every single revenue record you can possibly imagine, whether it's gate uh, or pay-per-view purchases. I mean, it was it was a fight for the ages as far as revenue goes. Many people weren't happy with the way the fight went, but nonetheless, uh, it, it was a it was a record-shattering performance for both of those guys. Now, Manny. When when I, when I watched Manny fight, he was in his younger years. He was just a whirlwind of fists and fury. It was he was indefensible, and he was tough, and he was lightning quick, and he punched to the body extremely well. He had great discipline, even though he was just throwing punches like your little brother would punch. Just you know, just throwing windmills at you, left and right, left and right, left and right, coming at you. He was so fun to watch, and he was one of the nicest people. You'd ever meet. Had a lot of great, uh, great times with Manny, and uh, we're going to miss him. But uh, congratulations to him on his retirement and just the the absolute Hall of Fame career, one of the greatest fighters of all time, for sure. That's going to wrap things up for today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Thanks to Tyler Drake, our Arizona Cardinals insider from Arizona Sports, for joining us. Congratulations to Gary Mendez, our ticket winner for the Monster Truck Tour, and, of course, thanks to Mary for all her work back in studio. We'll see you guys again tomorrow morning right here at 7 a.m. for the Jeff Keith Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Thanks for listening to The Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson.